Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 uh, Jack and Michael are with you and we're joined now by Nikki Bath, uh, CEO of LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia, um, to speak a little bit about, um, I guess, what isn't in the census, uh, results that have just come out recently um, and, and really a, a bit more about the work that LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia does. Um, Nikki, thank you so much for your time. I guess to begin with, can you speak a little bit to um, how you became involved with LGBTIQ plus Health Australia, uh, which I, I believe that there's been a rebrand in, in your time uh, at the organisation. Um, what led you to, to, to work with the organisation? Well, that's a great um, opening question. I um, yeah, what indeed did it add to me to work at uh, lead me to work at LHA? I was at the time I was working at Aton actually, and had um, my portfolio at Aton had the sort of uh, LGBTIQ um, health um, health uh, programs within it, and um, I saw the job come up, and I thought that looks like a really great job, and um, I put my hat in the ring, and I was just so delighted to have been appointed into the CEO role. I knew it was going to be a really big job, um, maybe not quite as big as <laughs> as I experienced it to be. Um, but it's you know, it's a real honour to be in this role and um and leaving the you know, the peak organisation in LGBTIQ plus health for for Australia and working with our great member organisations and the national coordination programmes that we run and of course having that policy <clears throat> voice and to be working closely within research. So I think what really attracted me to the role is that mixed bag, really, around um, the various functions in, in the role that I have as CEO. So, you know, overseeing that kind of um, making sure, you know, that the programs are running to a high quality, and, but really leaving that to Zed, uh, Zed Pinto, our deputy CEO. Um, but, you know, really championing our members and um, lifting them up as much as we can as well as, you know, as I say, having that policy and advocacy um, function. And I have a, a policy background. Uh, I used to work at the New South Wales Ministry of, of Health, and I also had policy roles at the National Drug User Organisation. So I was really able to sort of hone all of my skills, really, and experience into the role. And I, I haven't looked back. I, I um, look forward to work every day and feel really honoured to be in the role. I, I guess because listeners of Well or Well may well be uh, experienced in Thorn Harbour Health and what we do, obviously, within Victoria, ACON has a similar role um, as far as uh, providing support to people living with HIV, increasingly to LGBTIQ communities. I, I guess you spoke a little bit there to some of the differences are coming from ACON, right? Like between LGBTIQ plus Health Australia and, um, say, 
AIDS councils or health organizations across the country. I, I guess is the, the research and advocacy um, a, a big point of difference in your mind between um, something like an ACON and, and LGBTIQ plus Health Australia? And then, of course, obviously, the fact that the remit is nationwide as opposed to within the state of New South Wales. So we're a really different organisation to Thorn Harbour or ACON um, or other, you know. I mean, down there in Victoria, Transgender Victoria is a member of LOJ, as is um, Switchboard, um, as four as members, that is, those community-controlled um, organisations that are providing services to our community. But the function for LOJ is that we're a peak. And so, you know, Thorn Harbour and others are providing services, you know, you're... Um, how can I say, your frontline work, you're engaged and working with the community, whereas LHA is a peak, we work for our member organisations. So our interface is to build the capacity of organisations to be able to work with LGBTQ plus people, um, how we support our member organisations through making sure that what they want to have raised at the national level, um, certainly with government, is raised. I mean, we have specific funding from the government to act as that conduit between government and community, community being our member organisations, and those member organisations and government. So we distribute government policy. We are involved in conversations with bureaucrats and within the health department, as well as with politicians. And so we are the, are the link so that the community views get shared with government and then what government is doing gets shared with our community. And so it's a very different role as a peak body as to being a frontline service provider. Before we get into, I guess, the census and the results that are there and the results that aren't, I mean, Michael, you've been pouring over some of the, the detailed response. And I guess before I, I kind of ask Nikki about um, that what is, you know, to be desired in, in the 2026 census. Um, what have you found so far in, in kind of pouring over some of those numbers as much as it is early days? <laughs> um, yeah, my my project obviously is focused on supporting uh, primarily overseas-born men who have sex with men. So while um, we, obviously as, as stakeholders in this space, we're dismayed that we haven't captured things around sexual orientation, gender identity, intersex status, all those sorts of things, there is, there is valuable data that can be taken from somewhere else. Mm. So I've been pouring over things like migration statistics and, um, you know, what languages are used in the home and the way that those are changing. And yep. that's been interesting to um, uh, kind of learn which which countries are um, engaged with Australia in a, in a migration kind of way. Mm. Um, and there's been, you know, obviously an increase. Um, there was a few cherry-picked pieces of data in the news around, you know, the increase of like the Punjabi language being, yep. um, you know, overtaking some of the other languages in terms of uptake. Um, so that will kind of inform the projects that we're working on when we're thinking about making our services and resources um, accessible to mm. a broad range of people. So while that's not LGBTIQA plus specific information, it is general information that we can take into our day-to-day roles. Because the most that I, I suppose we've heard from the census so far has been around same-sex marriages, right? And I yep. believe it's something to the tune of 25,000 that we can see so far. Yeah, I believe so. Again, that's in the same household. So there's only certain contexts in which they can be captured. But mm. I mean, Nikki, I appreciate that LGBTIQ plus Health Australia have done um, some some work, some, I guess, webinars um, on uh, with the ABS specifically on what could have been in the 2021 census and and what hopefully will be in the 2026 census. I guess if you want to run us down, what is high on the wish list of um, what 
health providers and community and advocacy organizations need um, to be able to do their jobs you know, in- increasingly better and serve our communities better, what would make a difference to come out of the 2026 census? Yeah, it's a really important question. And if, before I get into the detail of that, maybe I can just backtrack a bit on the journey that LHA went on with regards to the census, the 2021 census. So back in 2018, um, LHA started to work with the ABS along with, um, with like the, the, human, um, the Australian Human Rights um, commission and also at that time era the intersect human rights australia was in, was involved in the early days kind of conversations about what questions needed to go into the 2021 census and so lha and others we, we were advocating really really hard to be able to get appropriate variables appropriate questions into the 2021 census that would be able to give us the information that we needed and so they're pet demographic type questions. And so some of your listeners may remember um, back um, in the development of the 2021 census, this whole hoo-ha that kind of happened around the testing of the 2021 census questions. And there, there was a whole load of um, questionnaires that were um, printed. And um, then that with some uh, of these questions that we needed to have answered from an LGBTIQ plus perspective, and then those, quest- those questions didn't actually get tested. So there was a lot of kind of contention around whether or not we were going to get questions in, what those questions could look like. And then we all, as we will all remember, that those questions didn't get over the line. Now, what's important is that since the 2021 census was actually confirmed, we have had a new set of what's called the, the Australian Bureau of Statistics Standards for Sex, Gender, gender Variations of Sex Characteristics and Sexual Orientation Variables. Everyone will be glad to know that we actually call that, instead of that all the time, the 2020 standard. And that standard sets out the questions that have been worked up with community organisations, there was consultation on those questions. And it is the, this set of questions that needs to go into the 2026 um, census. I have a feeling um, that we will be able to tighten these questions a little bit before 2026. Um, but we do have a set of questions, which is something that we didn't have in trying for 2021. Um, so this set of questions that go through, there's a sex question, a gender question, a question on variations of sex characteristics, and a sexual orientation question. When we look at some of the work that we do in this area around, um, say, Melbourne um, Gay Periodic Survey that comes out every year, obviously that, that exists in some capacity in other states as well. But to have that sort of data, what difference would that make to, um, you know, LGBTIQ health organisations specifically, but also more broadly, um, what could, uh, I guess, general health providers um, see change in, I guess, what services they, they might decide to offer? Like, what, what could come out of the 2026 census having those questions included? Well, it would be a game changer. Had, and it would have been a game changer if these questions had gone in in 2021. I mean, we hold on to the fact, right, that the census is a, a survey, um, a big survey that takes in everyone in the country. And so 
that data that comes from the census tells us about economic, um, social issues, cultural makeup of, of the country, as, as you were just uh, talking to earlier. And it includes everyone in the population. And so this, um, this year in the um, census, there was a new question, and it was, a, it was about chronic health. And what we learned from the, from the 2021 census is the sheer number of people living with mental health issues across Australia. Now, what we do know from the existing surveys and research that's um, available to us from studies like Writing Themselves In, which is a really large study on young people and private lives, uh, which is a huge study looking at the broader LGBTIQ um, plus communities, and those studies come from Arches at La Trobe, we would be able to even glean more from that existing research if we had the data from the census because it would be able to tell us things like where we live. It would be able to tell us um, all of the things around, I think about suicide prevention and all of those um, things that we need to be working on to um, prevent suicide. So we would be able to see how many of us are employed, how many of us are unemployed, how many of us are um you know, accessing um, training, university, all of these things that the census tells the broader society, we would be able to drill down and understand that from an LGBTIQ plus perspective. So what that means is for services, um, so if I think about PHNs, for example, when the um, PHNs do their needs assessments around the services that they need to provide within their jurisdiction for the next year, and part of that then is about what services they would commission. Many of those PHNs do not include us in those needs assessments because they don't have this population level data. They say we don't have the data, so we can't respond. So it would allow, it would call services tasks because we would be able to see where we are. And so it's a case of, well, why aren't you providing services in these places? But also, even from Thorn Harbour's perspective, from LHA's perspective, we would really be able to understand at a population level where we are, what some of the issues are for us, particularly around things like those chronic health issues, but a multitude of other elements as well, so that we can make sure that we're investing money in the right places at the right time. Because at the moment, while we know um, much about our communities, there's big gaps that the census would be able to fill. That's really the majority of questions that I had. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind um, for you, Michael or Nikki, if there's anything that you'd like to expand on? I think the important thing to just um, expand on is um, that the, the advocacy for the 2026 standards started, hasn't, like, hasn't stopped since we knew we weren't going to get into the 2021 census. The advocacy has just continued. LHA and other organisations, um, we have a really good relationship with the ABS. I really, um, really welcome and value that partnership that we have with the ABS. And what we need to be doing now is to continue to advocate to ensure that this government makes it so that the inclusion of the 2020 standards or whatever iterations of it comes between now and, and when the census is um, signed off for 2026. So those questions are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It is agreed and approved and written in the legislation around the census that those questions are included. 
And we are really calling on this government to make sure that our communities are included in that 2026 um, census. And in the interim, what we're doing is really advocating hard for that 2020 standard to be included in service level data, national studies, um, governments have these data sets where services report their activity. We want to make sure that those, um, those questions are in those data sets. We want it to become a standard demographic question so that by the time we get to the 2026 census, the general community, our communities, are used to us answering those questions. And so it will become much easier, I think, for us to get those questions in the 2026 um, census. It's an election priority ask of LHA, and we will continue to advocate really strongly um, for the inclusion in the 2026 um, census. And let's hope um, that this time in 2026, we're having really different conversations about the insights that we gain, the much needed insights that we gain into our lives so that we can be really um, strategic and able to, with the whole toolbox that this data would give us, reduce these health disparities that are so urgent for us to tend to, that people across our communities are living with and experiencing. Nikki Barth, CEO of LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia. Thank you for joining us to speak a little bit about what the org does and um, about really what we are very keen to see happen in 2026 with the census. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely talking with you. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website, thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.